tell the theme we're talking about grace today as we go through the things that we believe. Um, again, talking about Wednesday nights, uh, especially with the mill starting, if you've been thinking about maybe I should try those Wednesday nights out, this would be a good time to start. Don't forget to sign up out there for the mills. Uh, the mill will be from 6 to 7 if you want to be a part of the prayer group, which is open to anybody. That's at 630. And then we have a Bible study time for every age group. And we are going through what I'm preaching on more in depth. And we're just having a great time of, of fellowship uh, doing that. So far, we're going at a little bit slower pace. But we just finished God the Father. So we'll be talking now about God the Son. So the things I'm talking about here in the sermon, we go over more in depth. And so I encourage you to kind of step out of your comfort zone. Remember to, to sign up and, and come and be here this Wednesday night. And so... We're going to be looking at, talking about grace today, and uh, I know it doesn't bother me. The sound guys are great, but i got to hum here. I'll, I'll get over it, but I may hum to it, but uh, whatever I need to do. Um, we're going to talk about what we believe and what we believe about grace. We hear the word grace a lot, and I want to ask the question, are you living a life of grace? Are you living a graceful life? I don't know about you, but I think we've got really bad definitions of grace. Uh, someone may say they're graceful, or some of us are not graceful. Lou and I are good enough friends. I saw his grandson, trip, and I said he gets that from his grandfather. Um, but when, we're talking about, when we're talking about grace, we just think, hey, hey, do I have poise? Am I able to do something? And so anyway, we struggle to understand grace. Sometimes we struggle to receive grace. A lot of times, if you're like me, we struggle to give grace. And so the question I'm asking you today, are you living a graceful life? Are you living a life that is full of grace? You can choose to live without grace. Uh, a lot of times we don't do that for ourselves, but definitely not giving it to others. But what a sad life that is to live without grace. Or you can choose to live with grace. Your action step today is this. Live with the grace of God. Live with the grace of God. That's the only way I can live, guys, because we're really not living if we're not living a graceful life. And yes, you guessed it already. For you smart ones in the points, it's going to spell out the word grace. And so now let's look at our statement. I'm still going back and forth. You get bored because I read it. We may eventually not, but the OCD wants to keep doing it. But election is when you have two parties that are democratic. No, okay? like this term, but we'll go from it. Election is the gracious purpose of God according to which he regenerates, justifies, sanctifies, and glorifies sinners. It is consistent with the free agency of man and comprehends all the means in connection with the end. It is the glorious display of God's sovereign goodness and is infinitely wise, holy, and unchangeable. It excludes boasting and promotes humility. All true believers, this is what we're going to focus on more, is to all true believers endure to the end. Those who God has accepted in Christ and sanctified by his spirit will never fall away from the state of grace, but shall preserve to the end. Believers may fall into sin through neglect and temptation, whereby they grieve the spirit, impair their graces and comforts, and bring reproach to the cause of Christ and, and temporal judgments on themselves. Yet they shall be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Let's pray. Lord, we're on all sorts of sides about how we feel about grace, but that just doesn't matter. We need to see what your word says about grace. 
I pray wherever anybody's at today that they are living in your grace, that they are giving your grace, and that, that, that it just envelops their life. I pray speak clearly through your word. Help us to understand these things. In your name, Jesus, amen. This is probably the biggest reason that kept me from being a Baptist was this article that we're covering here. Again, if you want this and you want more in-depth, and there's the scripture list, okay? Um, if you want to be more in-depth, there, there's uh, brochures at the back that kind of cover what we're talking about, and there's a book. But this, we're going through what we believe is Baptist. Now, I tell you consistently, I'm a Christian, and I know why I'm a Baptist. I have chosen, just like a lot of you have chosen, to be a part of this church. And most people don't understand what church they're a part of because we want to be the church of God from the Bible first, which is biblical. And a lot of people wouldn't know what denominations. Denominations are, are kind of from man, but the reason I choose to be a Baptist is not because they're better than a lot of other denominations. I just feel that they really try to be very close to the Bible. And so this article that we're looking at, of a statement of what we believe as Baptists and as a church, there are very few churches that believe this and I grew up in a church that didn't believe it I can only think of basically maybe uh, e-free evangelical free and Baptist that believe in the doctrine of eternal security these terms have kind of turned us off loves have heard once saved always saved I like using the term when you're saved you're saved um, I grew up believing I could lose my salvation again I want you to put it in perspective here Majority of really solid Christian churches believe that you can lose your salvation. Does that mean they're bad and they're not my brothers and sisters? No, it just means that they probably don't sleep as well as I do at night. I mean, I'm, I'm being serious. But the reason I didn't want to be a, a part of the Baptist church is because I saw too many people coming forward, getting baptized, getting their fire insurance, and there was no changed life. Now, I'm saved by grace, not by works. The scripture is very clear. But I saw a lot of people in Baptist churches getting fire insurance. There's a lot of people. Baptism is a really good thing, and we're going to talk about that, and you should want to do that. And when we talk about it, you know, that should be something you do, but it doesn't save you because look at the thief on the cross, but it's something you should do. But there's a lot of people that like doing the action came forward, got my fire insurance, went through the water, I'm good. That's why I like when you're saved, you're saved. I had to realize, and I went through a 30-year process of dealing with this, guys. And yeah, I've been in a Baptist church longer than that, but, I, but the fact that cheap grace was sold in so many places by the way people acted, I believe when you're saved, you're saved. And this is why I like... Most of us, whether they're on either side or what church they're in, we believe in genuine conversion. We believe when somebody meets Christ, they're saved. And see, a lot of times people come to me, and you can be away from Christ. That's what the statement uh, talks about. But a lot of times when people come to me and they, and they want to get saved or whatever, I, I ask the question, have you ever come to Christ or are you away from Christ? And so we need to understand that. And there's some of us who never come to Christ because of the gospel that they've been sold. Doesn't, it's not through Christ. But this is a doctrine that I believe in, but I feel it kept me for a long time because of the example I saw in Baptist churches. 
of I got my ticket punched. Now again, let's go the other side. I'm cleaned up. Jesus saved me. Now I've got to stay clean. I can't do that. I need Jesus every day. I need his grace every day. I need salvation every day. John 10 verses 27 and 29 says this. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So when you are saved, when you've been genuinely converted, didn't say be made perfect, you know the Savior's voice and no one can snatch you out of His hand. Salvation begins with a purpose and it's God's eternal purpose and it's called the more I go through this, I'm not against these fancy theological terms, but if we're all going to understand it, it's not about dumbing it down. It's about how would we say this so people can understand. But the theological term is election, and I hate that term. I know I'll get in trouble by those that have been to seminary, and guess what I have too? Big deal. Okay, but election is God's gracious action of, to choose us. Election is God's gracious action to choose us to follow and obey him. Now, I want to be really careful because I believe strongly in free will and I believe that God doesn't create robots. But we need to understand the fact that God doesn't make the choice, but he knows the choices we're going to make and he works within that. I know that may blow your mind, but you need to understand that. The doctrine of election shows us how God's grace brings salvation to us. We see this in Israel. I mean, how many times when they were going through the wilderness, God was like, I'll zap them, Moses, and we'll raise up somebody else. So it wasn't the fact that Israel was perfect. And regardless of our Catholic brothers and sisters, that you know, Mary was a sinner just like us. But she was willing to do what God called her to do. He could have used anyone. He uses those that are willing. And so that is the doctrine of election. He wants to choose all of you if you're willing to accept his salvation. Children of Israel, election confirms God's invitation to save us. What is God's purpose for us? His purpose is to save us. Ephesians 1 verses 11 and 12 says this, In him we have received an inheritance, because we are predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Now, I guess I'm kind of getting into my bents and things, but I, I don't like the word predestined. I'm not against it, but I feel it's been abused a lot. Because there's some churches that believe God has made the choice. He knows who's going to be safe, so why do I need to go out the urgency of the gospel to invite people to Christ. Guess what? God knows who's going to choose him, but we don't, and he told us to go. There are churches right now that evangelism is not important because God knows. Whoever's going to get saved is going to get saved, and they'll figure it out. Then what do you do with the Great Commission where he tells us to go? Your first fill-in, living with grace means realizing God's gracious purpose. His gracious purpose is to save us. That is grace because we deserve hell. We go back to the garden in Genesis where, where Adam and Eve sinned and the curse is put upon there and God, the rest of the whole Bible, works towards bringing Christ to save us. God's gracious purpose is to save us. What about free will? 
God's gracious purpose is consistent and it goes with our free will. God's sovereignty, it's man's free will, but yet it's versus our responsibility. God is sovereign. God is in control, but he allows us free will. He knows the choices we're going to make. We talk about Pharaoh a lot, but he wasn't this mean God saying, I'm just going to make Pharaoh the villain in the story in order that I be glorified. He knew that Pharaoh would never choose him, so he used Pharaoh to glorify himself. And so God's sovereignty, God is in control versus man's free will. God's sovereignty versus our responsibility. John 15, 19 says this, If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. However, because you are not of the world, because I have chosen you out of it, the world hates you. Again, I struggle with these things, but this is God's word here. And we have to understand that there's a balance between we have free will, but God knows the choice we're going to make, but he doesn't make the choice for us, but he works in those choices. I know I've confused you. Figure it out at lunch, okay? But the, like, this is why we are doing this stuff on Wednesday nights, because we're digging deeper. We're just kind of flying over this. But God's sovereignty, that he's in control. Acts 13.48 says this, When the Gentiles heard this, they rejoiced and honored the word of the Lord, and all who had been appointed to eternal life believed. Again, I want us to get across. God does not make the choice, but he knows the choice we're going to make, so he chooses us. He chooses that he wants that all would be saved, that none would perish, but there will be those that do not choose him. But he knows. Romans 8, 29 and 30 says this, For those he foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those who were predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. This is a really good section of scripture. And we talked about this Wednesday night about being adopted into the family of God. And this is a good section here. And it's Romans 8, 29 and 30. Notice this. He knows and he calls. And he justifies, and he, and he is glorified. We're predestined, we're called. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 says this, For God did not appoint us to his wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. We're appointed, we're called, we're predestined. And yet we have that choice, but God knows. I want to, I guess when you're trying to understand this, if it gets too big, just know this, God knows. God knows the choice. 2 Thessalonians uh, Chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 says this, But we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning God has chosen you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit, through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. This, going back here in this week, and again the scripture list is there, and in the pamphlet out in the lobby, These scriptures are there. I encourage you to chew through them. And again, like we talked about on Wednesday nights, but this kind of unpackages this here. If you go to 14, he called you to this through our gospel so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God knows who's going to choose him, but we don't. And you have the gospel, the good news that someone can be right with God, that someone can have a relationship with God. And I talk about this all, all the time. We're going to press more into it. Uh, uh, but, but we need to understand this, that God tells us faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. And how beautiful Isaiah says are the feet of those that bring the good news. 
We, the only reason we're still here is to deliver the message and call and invite people into relationship with Jesus Christ. God knows. We don't. He says go. He says go to your family. He goes go to those that are familiar and go to those that are foreign to you that we are to go and do that. So we're chosen for salvation. We're called through the gospel, the goal to obtain the glory of God. Your next fill-in. Living in grace means realizing God redeems us by choosing us. God redeems us by choosing. How does that feel? I know I look really athletic, and I know you know that I'm really into sports, and it's hard for you to believe I'm a geek if you've not been in my office, okay? And I'm glad that uh, now it's cool for people to be geeks because it wasn't when I w- was growing up. But I remember, I, I, it may be hard to tell, but I didn't like Jim. Okay, and Jim actually, I think, used to be a little tougher because they had that rope that was five stories up in the ceiling that you had to climb. And anyway, we don't want to go there. A lot of nightmares. And then you kids, the communal showers and the communal urinals. I'm going too far. We were just crushed. Okay, I should just go get into therapy. Okay, whatever. But one of the things is, okay, it's basketball, it's kickball, it's volleyball, whatever the ball is. And then you have your captain. And your captain, I, I, I don't want to spoiler alert you, but there were those times I would either pick last or almost last. That's not that funny. Okay, you hurt me. I'm going to go home and just cry. Okay, whatever. How does that feel when you're chosen first? Yeah, I'm not a loser, you know. God chooses you. Here in Genesis, we were separated. But God chooses you. I don't care what your upbringing is. I don't care what your life has been. God chooses you. God would have died just for you. So if you're listening to that junk, you're not listening to the God that chooses you. He redeems us by choosing. So this is a positive. It used to be a negative, like, well, if he's choosing, I don't have any free will. That's not what we're saying here. His gracious purpose is to save us. He redeems us by choosing us because he could say, let them stay in hell. Let them have no hope. But Genesis chapter 3, he begins to hope. That should excite you. That should excite you when you're dealing with people that feel worthless. Man's free will. Let's talk about that for a minute. John 5, 24. Truly I tell you, anyone who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not come under judgment, but has passed from life to death. See, this is, this is the, how this works, and I don't understand it completely, but he knows who's going to make the choice, and he calls us, and, and he appoints us, but yet we don't know, and he gives us the free will to choose, because here we see if anyone hears my word and believes in him, you can have eternal life. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing today. That's why I'm encouraging you. This is the only reason we're still here in your job, in your retirement, in your school, whatever. The only reason we're still here is to call people to salvation in Jesus Christ. John 3, verses 15 through 16 says this, So that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he he gave his only begotten Son, that who shall believe in shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever. Like the song, Surely Meaneth Me, which I still think the tune of that is Hogan's Heroes, too. We won't get into that. I just chased a rabbit, but you know, you guys know who know, right? Okay, <laughs> everyone who believes. 
Romans 10, 9 through 13. It's not on there. I think I'm going to read it, okay? If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, everyone who believes on him will not be put to shame, since there's no distinction between Jew or Greek, because the same Lord of all richly blessed all who call upon him. And 13, which a lot of us know, for everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're saying, well, he's, he chose, so he knows he's going to save, whoever calls. I go back to my brother-in-law that spoke a few weeks ago. He did, it wasn't a real big fancy prayer. It wasn't just dot the I's and cross the T's. He cried out and said, save me. And guess what? God saved him. And that's what it's saying here. Try to make it too much, and it's very simple. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. Revelations twenty two seventeen says this, Both the Spirit and the bride say, Come. Let everyone who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life freely. So this should help you understand why God knows and appoints and calls. He freely calls us all to salvation. And you may be hearing God calling you today. And you may deny it. And if you deny it, it gets harder and harder to hear the voice of God. But if you hear him calling to save you today, this is why we have this invitation. And I know it's, I know it's scary, okay? Because, you know, what am I doing here? What's this about? And, and yeah, it would be great if he came forward or whatever, but you can always talk to one of us and, and receive Christ. That's the important thing. But that's why we give the invitation, because God calls us to call you and tell you you can have a relationship with him. Living with grace means this, your next feeling. Choosing a life, living in grace means realizing God allows us free will. Terminology I tried to understand. God is sovereign. God is in control. We are not the boss. We are not in a democracy. We're not even in a theocracy. He is king and we are not. All right? But he allows us to have free will. And this is why I think as Christians, we pick the wrong battles with non-Christians, okay? Because we try to clean them up. We try to make them look good on the outside when there's not many heart change. And it's amazing how God catches his fish before he cleans them. And so he allows us free will. This, there is a balance. We're free to choose grace, and God knows the choice we will make, but God, but God chooses in grace to save those who choose him. I'm going to say that again. God chooses in grace. So God chooses grace. He chooses to save those who will choose him. What about works? What about living right? What about hypocrites? What about enduring to the end? This is part of the statement that you read. And this is a hard one to kind of explain because, you know, those that stayed with God and will translate, those that lived right, those that did the right thing, those that are still in church, all this, those are the ones that are really saved. That's true to a point. But what we got to remember, and I come from a works-based background where I've got to do this, this, and this to be saved, and I've got to do this, this, and this to stay saved, that can mess you up. And so we need to understand God's character is constant and he has unlimited power and God's purpose can't be stopped. And those that have really been saved will endure to the end. Guys, you know, I'm going, I, I told some of you I'm going through a devotion that I've, I've been doing. I mean, I guess I started, shoot, 
26 years ago, and I wrote notes in it, and and I'm going back and doing it again, and I'm writing new notes and dating it, and I'm, <laughs> I'm, it, I, yes, I've grown in God, but I also think, man, you need to get your act together because you're still here, and this was 26 years ago. We need to grow in God, but what that told me, again, I'm still somebody that needs grace to endure forever. We're going to struggle with sin. We're going to struggle with self. So it's not us that endures. God is constant. And when he saves someone, he can keep them. We need to stay with him. Roman, uh, John 10, 29 says this. My father has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. We were talking about God the Father Wednesday night. and For some people, that's a hard concept. And for some people, that's an easy concept. But those of you who have had somebody in your life when you were younger that was older, that you knew had your front, that you knew had your back, that you knew that was there for you, that is our Father. That is why I can endure. That is why despite 26 years of walking with God and struggling in different areas, that it's not me that's kept me, it's God. That's awesome. All true believers endure to the end because their salvation is secure in Christ. Proof, uh, it's the sign, it's living in grace. Uh, your next fill-in is this. Christians, uh, who are, Christians who are true will endure. Christians who are true, Christians that are genuine will endure. Those people that are walking with God, again, it's not because I stayed perfect. It's not because I did this. It's not because I did that. You're with God. It's just, it's kind of, I think we make it too hard. It's just a simple thing. They're still here. Genuine conversion. Relationship with God. You'll have your ups and downs. You'll have your struggles. But Holy Spirit's there. You're walking with God. It's not what you've done, what you haven't done. You're still individuals in need of the Savior. But Christians who are true will endure. And that's what we need. We've had too many fake Christians and too many fake churches, and we need, people need to see true believers. This, this uh, results in security of the believer. This results in the, the term eternal security. And we, and we hear about once saved, always saved. And the, all these things are familiar. But like I said, I like when saved, you're saved. And a genuine conversion and a true believer. I like those terms better. Not because it's Russell, but the other ones a lot of people won't understand. And the other ones have leaned towards the cheap grace route. When you're saved, you're saved. Genuine conversion, a true believer, a follower of Christ, stronger terms. And so we're saved by grace, we're changed by grace, we're kept by grace. Saved by grace, changed by grace, kept by grace. I love that. It is God's gift of salvation that becomes ours when we trust him and with faith in Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean all who claim to be saved are saved. Look at the parable of the soils. Uh, we see that the and and you see this in churches a lot. You see somebody that and and I'm really careful about this. And then when you're picking a pastor or a deacon or those that are in spiritual authority in the church, it says you don't want a novice or you don't want a new believer. And and you know the only reason I'm still here in ministry is God. I mean I'm just going to say it straight out because and and the fact that this is not a burden. This is a calling. I want to do this. But I, I love what somebody said. Every Monday morning, if you could figure out that if you could go to Lowe's and work and stop doing what you're doing, and you could do that, then maybe God's calling you out of that. And you know what? There's been those mornings, but it's never been to the point Lowe's was looking good. I'd pick something else anyway. I could think of something creative. What scoop of ice cream do you want? I don't know. But, but the thing about it is 
is, is the parable of the soils. A lot of times in ministry, boy, that looks easy, Pastor. You only get up here for an hour on Sunday. You talk to us a little bit, whatever, you know. I want to do that. And when I was in youth ministry, that was even worse. I mean, Matt, you do a great job in Cheryl, and I appreciate it. And, but the thing about it is, what do you do? That kind of thing. I can do that. And so many times in Christianity, the parable of the soil, somebody gets saved, and we put them in a position really quickly of leadership, or they're the poster child for salvation. And then suddenly they struggle, and we're dealing with the fact of maybe they hadn't really reached salvation, or we set them up to fall. Parable of the soil. Some fell on good soil. Some fell on thorny soil. It chokes out those things, and it goes back to those that are true and dure. First John 2.19 says this, They went out from us, but they did not belong to us. For if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. However, they went out so that it might be made clear that none of them belongs to us. I am not tougher than anybody else. I would like to run from about anything that is hard, okay, in my flesh. But that scripture, especially in the day and age, I mean, can you imagine all the ministers that have gone on before me that have gone over the Baptist faith and message and have never, I mean, we talked about man a few weeks ago uh, and the fact of describing what marriage is and what a man and a woman are. Nobody challenged that. But how many people now in churches would run from that? And I would loosely call them a church. They, were, they aren't the church. And it's not because I'm any tougher than anybody else. And then having to think about what you call somebody without compromising your faith. You know? And how, how you do that. This is a sign here. I don't think it's going to get easier, guys. An American church, it's time for us to join our brothers and sisters in the rest of the world that are suffering for their faith. And all we're having to deal with is people may not like us or think we're horrible. How's that going for you? I don't like it when somebody thinks I hate them. I don't hate anybody. But when you hold to the truth, some people would say, think about Jesus. And I, and I know that verses in the Bible aren't spiritual, the numbers on them. Okay, but John 6, 66, and Jesus is teaching to the masses, and he says, unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you cannot be a part of the body of Christ. And then it said, many left him that day, and Jesus turned to the disciples, and he said, are you going to leave me too? And Peter, Mr. Foot and Mouth Disease, he said this, where are we going to go? Because you have the words of life. This is what it's talking about here. Christians, I'm, I'm telling you right now, you need to get in the voice of the martyrs. You need to be reading up. You need to be in the scripture. You need to be praying up. We need to meet more in the sense of the things we're talking about. I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer, but if we're going to see true believers and true Christians, I don't see it getting easier, so we need to get over it. We need to get over, I am thankful that I live in America, but we need to get over American Christianity because it's not in the Bible. And what I'm talking about this, if you read the majority of Bibles, believers were in horrible governments, they were enslaved, they had no rights, and they shined for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so here I am passionately saying this to you, and I'm thankful that I can. I'm thankful for the country. I'm blessed as Christians sit there and listen to the yammering chihuahuas of media and know I'm going to be conservative or Democrat. Get into the Bible first. Because we're listening to the chihuahuas.
yipping at our feet when everybody still has a God-shaped hole in their heart, and if you're kind to them and have a conversation, that's what it's about. And we got too many people being like they said to Jesus, that's hard. Grace is attractive. We need to give people grace. We need to live in grace. We need to share God's grace. And I'm just saying right now, spoiler it's not going to get easier. And I enjoy life, and I have a good life, and I, and I love the things that I do, and I don't sit there and look at the glass half empty all the time, but what I'm saying, get over what's going on around you. I just love people. Live in grace. Show grace. It's attractive. They need it. They want it. Evidence of our faith is grace. The security of the believer, true believers are eternally saved and secure in their salvation. What does that look like? Again, that, that really threw me off for years because I saw people living out cheap grace. I got my life insurance. I'm a member of a church. When somebody tells me first, and if it's you, and I know you may be saved or something, but you start with, I joined a church or I was baptized when? Who cares? When did you meet Jesus? When did you meet his grace? When did you receive his grace? And that's what it needs to be. That we need a true believer talks about, again, their life before Christ, how they came to Christ, and what Christ is doing in their life now. We may sin, but a true believer can never remain in a state of sin. That big old long statement kind of talks about it. I think Baptists have been loose on that. I want you, I want to say that again. We we may sin, but a true believer can never remain in a state of sin and rebellion, but will repent. Now, sometimes you may be in sin, and that person may die. But God knows their heart. But this is where the cheap grace comes in. They never met Jesus, some people. They've got their life insurance. they got their ticket punched. But they're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, and they haven't been saved. But you know what? This has been me, and I'm sure it's been you. A true believer doesn't remain in sin. There may be those dry times. There may be those times you're rebelling against God. There's going to be a point you'll repent. Result. This should encourage us to, to take seriously God's teaching on us being fruitful and faithful. I'm telling you guys, I say it about every week, why are we still here? Well, because it's not lunchtime yet, Pastor. No. Why are we still here on this earth? And again, I'm works-based. I grew up thinking i got to do this, this, and this. i got to produce this for God. That's out the window for me now. I just need to love God, I need to obey God, and guess what? It produces fruit. Think about the plants, those of you that have the green thumbs, and that's not me. You, you water it, that's God. You water it, tend it, and guess who brings the increase? God does. The bottom line is our confidence is not in ourselves, but in God. That is what keeps us the, the end. I can't save myself, I can't keep myself, I am trusting Jesus. First Peter uh, 1.5 says this, you are being guarded by God's power through faith for salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. I love that. We're being guarded by God. Um, ten things that, um, that, that we see here, ten things that can't separate us from the love of God. Need, and I kind of mentioned this a little bit before. You need to write this down. You need to look at this. Romans 8, verses 38 and 39. 
Ten things, just ten, and there's way more. Nothing can separate us from God. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You need to nail that scripture down. Nothing can separate me from Jesus. The only thing that can is yourself. Think about that. God chooses us with grace so we can choose to deny him. Therefore, we should be encouraged. We, we should be encouraged more to trust him, to trust in the security and safety that we're saved, that we're preserved, that we're protected, that we're secure. For by grace of God's perfect purpose, your last bill in living in grace means living eternally secure. Notice, we're using that term. I have good pastors and brothers and sisters that have gone on before me that have handled this correctly. I'm not saying they haven't. But somewhere, somehow, it's gotten missed in the translation in the American Baptist Church. And what I want us to understand, we can use this, that you can be eternally secure when you trust the grace of God. So the question I have for you today, I've got some questions for you I want to ask you um, at a time of invitation. Um, are you... Are you helping, do you know God's gracious purpose? And are you helping others to know God's gracious purpose, that he wants to save you? Um, are, you help, are you helping others? Are you living the redeemed life? Are you choosing to let God buy back those things in your life to redeem them? And that he has given you the ministry to help redeem others, to reconcile others to him. And do you know, guys, it gets down to this. You can't blame God. You have free will, and when it comes to a time of judgment, it's on you. It's not on your mom. It's not on your dad. It's not on your pastor because I've done what I need to do. You cannot say that you haven't heard. I encourage you to come and get saved today. But also, a lot of you have done that, but you're making choices every day in your free will. And here I am, been a Christian uh, a long time, been a Christian 45 years, and God is kicking me in the pants telling me to the basics of this. Therefore, the one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, it is sin. And a long time ago, I remember we had a saying when we were doing youth ministry, and I know some of you don't like it, but just do it. But what God is telling me is get off your butt, Russell, and you know what the right thing is, and do it. Maybe that's you, because you've chosen your free will. I'm old enough, and I've arrived. Build a bridge and get over that. I'm young enough, I don't have to do that. Whatever you need to do today, get saved, get right. Whatever you need to do today, do it, because it's your free will and it's on you. Also, Christians who will endure. You may be like, well, I haven't been good enough. I don't think I'm going to make it. You know what you need to do? You need to get out of the front seat of your car of, 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 car of your life and get in the back seat and, quote, carry under what Jesus take the will. I'm telling you right now, the only reason I am here as a minister here is a Christian, Jesus, you're going to have to handle it. That's the only reason we're going to endure. And then are you living eternally secure? I'm not trying to put down my brothers and sisters who have great relationships with God and different churches. But you know what? Once I got over the cheap grace and understood that it was costly grace, I know I'm saved. And when you ask me why, Jesus, period. I know that when I come before God, the only reason I'm supposed to be here is Jesus. And some of you right now are on two things of that spectrum. One, cheap grace. 
I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm not saved by works. I'm as saved as I'm ever going to be. But have you ever come to Christ? And others, you're scared rabbits. The majority of, of churches, like I said, there are nights I don't sleep because I know I'm not in good fellowship with God, and I need to get that right, but I'm still saved. Whatever you need to do, are you living a graceful life? Stand to our feet, and we have a time of invitation. You may need to pray, whatever you need to do.